So for me to now be in America, South Florida, Boynton Beach, at 32 years old, in a, a time period where there's some of the biggest economic shifts, societal shifts happening, um, I'm very grateful. And about 10 years ago was when I started to really dive deep into personal development. And it was one simple statement that made a difference for me that always stuck around. And it's don't wish things were easier, just wish you were better. And when that really like struck a chord for me, when that really, when that seed was rightly planted, I realized that it's not necessarily about what happens in life and life, it's how I respond to it. Hello and welcome to the Health Detective Podcast by Functional Diagnostic Nutrition. We bring you interviews from people who have conquered the trickiest of health challenges using the functional diagnostic nutrition philosophy and similar healing modalities. You're going to hear from experts who have been through the ringer with their health issues and yet managed to come out on the other side. If you're interested in natural healing and or functional medicine, congrats, you are in the right place. You can always visit us at functionaldiagnosticnutrition.com. But for now, here is today's episode. All right. Hello, my friends, and welcome back to another episode of the Health Detective Podcast by Functional Diagnostic Nutrition. My name is Evan Transu, aka Detective Ev, and I will be your host for today's show, episode number 302 of the Health Detective Podcast. Absolutely uh, just having fun out here. It's popping. And we have those of you guys. We wanted to do this uh, those of you guys that listen regularly, we wanted to do this on episode 300, but it wasn't solidified yet. So in celebration of 300 episodes, we've set a personal goal for the podcast that in mid-March of this year, 2024, we will actually be moving to three episodes a week for the first time since we started. Uh, so we started this out at two episodes three years ago, and somehow you guys keep coming back uh, to listen to this somehow. So we're glad to have you. And they said, all right, we'll throw one more in. We're going to have a lot more nerdy content in one out of two of those extra episodes, we're actually going to have a lunch and learn with Lucy McKellar and Detective Ev every other week. So she was just on yesterday. You've seen Lucy probably several times on this show. She's our executive director for the association of, and uh, we're just going to have some fun together, nerd out and show you guys what you get to learn in the world of FDN. Today, we have a special guest on, and I say special because this is someone that I know very personally in real life, and it's not someone necessarily that has been through a crazy health journey, but why I wanted to have him on, and you know I say this one-on-one -on -one too, so I am not just mm -hmm. hyping you up for the podcast. Sebastian mm -hmm. is probably one of the most genuine individuals you have ever met, and in addition, I've never seen someone that nailed down some of the personal development things so well, especially at a relatively young age. Like the people that I know that maintain a positive state, I, I mean, way more often than not, man, you get like the Tony Robinsons out there. Like, yeah, sure, they've been doing this forever. Um, it's very rare that you get someone in their early 30s, and I've known you since late 20s, uh, that has been doing this. It's just such a consistent person. It's a great individual to talk to. And we're just so happy to have you on the show, my friend, and kind of take a different direction today than we normally would. So welcome. Ah, thank you, brother. I appreciate that. I'm really glad to be here. 302 episodes, man. Bravo. That is yeah. quite an accomplishment. That is not an easy thing to do. Uh, as somebody that also hosts podcasts, we have 302 <laughs> conversations. Like, that, that takes effort. That takes time, um, commitment. A huge acknowledgement to you and the team at FDN to make it possible. Your listeners, they're, they're lucky to have such a consistent stream of information, such a consistent stream of value, as I'm sure you bring. Really glad to be here. Yeah. 
we and I cannot wait to shout out your podcast later because uh, a lot of these people would benefit greatly from the information on there. We got Suzanne to- uh, tuning in for the first time, first time listener. Welcome to the topic name today, which is all about preventing burnout and achieving success. So this one is for our practitioners, coaches, future coaches, or the people that are looking into the FDN course, because the vast majority of people that come in, Sebastian, they might already have a health coach certification beforehand. So for example, I went to the Institute of Integrative Nutrition before I found FDN. Uh, Personally, just for me, nothing wrong with IIN. I wanted something that really dove into the nerdy science a little more. So that's why I got here. But it's something that I always see uh, happen with our practitioners. We go through these health issues. A majority of us go through the health issues because we were burning out in something else. Not always, but largely that happens. And then we find this joy in our lives that we might not have ever had before. And now we want to go shout this from the rooftops. We want to share it with the world, what we learned and how you can heal people. And then all of a sudden, those 12-hour days are coming back. Grant you, it's better because you're doing something you love, but they find themselves in these same cycles of burnout. So Mm. we'll touch on that today. I think what I want to dive into first, normally it's about people's health journey, but I think I'd like to just dive into your journey of personal development because you are not always this super consistent person that I feel like I could call 24-7 and you're like, hey man, what's going on? I could call you (laughs) at 3 uh, 3 a.m. and wake you up and you just have the same mood as always. That's not how it started, man. So how did you get into this? What was your upbringing? like totally totally and and you and you wouldn't get me at 3 a.m i typically sleep on do not disturb and airplane mode so <laughs> i gotta watch my sleep i gotta watch my sleep so everybody here will appreciate that <laughs> so no i wasn't always like this so i grew up in colombia south america and to have come from a third world country that truly set me up in a way where i've been able to appreciate life at new levels life has taken me through a number of journeys a lot of um different opportunities for growth a uh, number of tragedies from friends dying, family members dying, which have just really opened up perspective. But I can tell you that I was about 15 years old and I'm standing in line. We're in right in downtown Rio Negro, which is the, the town where I'm from. And this is the second time I'm back in Colombia. Oh, amazing, Julia, from Colombia. I love that. So here I am I'm from Colombia. I come into the States when I'm nine. I go back to Colombia. So this is my second time in Colombia. I've had a massive culture shock shift because I now was in a country where hot running water was coming from the faucet in the bathroom. Like before in Colombia, that was not a thing. Maybe now it is, I haven't been in 15 years. So back then it wasn't, but now I'm back in Colombia, about 15 years old, and I'm standing in line with my mom at the bank. She's waiting for the ATM to get some money out. And I'm just, you know, I'm just moseying around, looking around, like I'm in Colombia again, and I was there for about a year. I'm still kind of getting used to it. My Spanish was actually not as good as it used to be believe it or not, back in my home country, not being able to fully speak Spanish the way in which I was born was hysterical. I used to get uh, picked on. They used to call me gringo, which all is all that means is uh, an English-speaking person. So here I am. I'm, I'm, I'm at the bank, and I look around, and there's these two kids. I see them across the, the center, and there's two kids, and I see them picking through garbage. And I'm looking at them, and I'm just intrigued by these two kids. Why, why are they picking through this garbage? They definitely shouldn't even be out here by themselves. They're way too young easily six, eight years old, both of them around that age. Um, they must have been brother or sister because they're very close to each other, but they're dirty. They're, you can just tell, like, these, these, these children were hurting. And the next thing I know, I see the, the, the brother take food out of the garbage can, and he puts it in his mouth. And next thing I know, he does the same thing and gives it to his sister. Now, as a 15-year-old who just came back from America, where food is a plethora and that there's no such thing as not having enough food on a plate when you get one. That was an eye-opening experience. 
because it really put things in perspective. And to answer your question, I bring that up because that helped me to understand that not everybody is as lucky as I am. There's people in the world of today. I literally have some family still in Colombia who lives up in the mountains. This is an outlier. They choose to live up in, up in the mountains, uh, but their floors are still dirt floors. Now, again, just a disclaimer, that is a choice that they're up there, whether their floors being dirt or not is a choice. I don't know, but they are up there because of a choice. They're living in a small town up in the mountains. So for me to now be in America, South Florida, Boynton Beach at 32 years old in a, a, a time period where there's some of the biggest economic shifts, societal shifts happening, um, I'm very grateful. And about 10 years ago was when I started to really dive deep into personal development. And it was one simple statement that made a difference for me that always stuck around. And it's don't wish things were easier, just wish you were better. And when that really like struck a chord for me, when that really, when that seed was rightly planted, I realized that it's not necessarily about what happens in life and life. It's how I respond to it. And from those seeds, I mean, I was consistently pumping myself with personal development, understanding that. It's not the, the circumstances of life that are, that are making me down. It's me. It's my lack of choice. It's my lack of actually showing up. It's maybe me not taking that sense of ownership. It's blaming. It's shaming. All these different dynamics that we as humans are so easy to live through, all of that is outside of my control. I can only control one thing, and it's how I respond to life. And from that, again, at about 21 years old, that's when everything really started to take off in a personal development avenue. It was challenging. A lot of the friends I was with, I realized weren't necessarily on the same value avenue as I was. Um, I actually had to step away from a number of friends because I realized that they weren't my cup of tea. And yeah, they were fun. And we used to go out and party and stuff and it was all good. But for the long term, when I understood that who I hang out with most is going to give me the average of who I am, that started to really kind of struck a chord with me and step on my toes. But I'm glad. I'm glad somebody stepped on my toes because it got me. It got me to get moving. It's interesting because I didn't know you back then, and so mm -hmm. I'm curious. Do you did you really find yourself negative before the personal development? Because it almost sounds like in the mid-teens, 15 years old, you have an experience that you you would hope would take even the most negative of people and make them, I mean, it's a forced gratitude almost. It's impossible mm -hmm. not to be grateful. You'd think to some degree seeing that. And then, I mean, you're going to South Florida. It's not the uh, poorest area of America, right? I mean, you're seeing some of the biggest ballers in the world. It's inspiring if nothing else, even if that's not what you're experiencing. So mm -hmm. when you talk about the transition, getting into the personal development, what, what were you really like at that time mindset wise? Like, what did you think about life? What was the plan? Cause I, I didn't even know you back then. So these are questions that I don't even have the answer to. It's kind of nice. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's interesting, man, because people used to always come to me looking for advice. Like since I was like, like early high school, people used to always come to me. Like I kid you not, there were, there were older, older kids, like senior year coming to me, asking me about relationships advice. And I'm like, what? But I used to just listen, you know, and, and this is where I think God really created me in such a way. And by the way, I'm going to speak a lot about God because I'm not. It's okay. Here we have all types of people. Up. Yep. I'm unapologetic about God. So I think God created me in such a way that I was made to be a space for others. Um, did I ever see myself as someone that would do this as a career and actually make this a profession? No, I'm five foot five, can barely find my pants that I actually want sometimes. I could not hold advice for other people at all. But again, back then, People used to always come to me. There was always a sense of Sebastian holding space, talking to people. I think it came from seeing as a youth, uh, my, my aunt's house was literally open door policy. Anybody used to walk into the house. 
And I used to live there practically. My mom used to wake up at four in the morning. She used to drop me off at my aunt's house, which was right on the corner. She wouldn't come back until eight o'clock at night. So my aunt's house was practically my home growing up. And my aunt's house was the place where everybody went to when they needed food, when they wanted food, when they wanted to have a conversation. And I used to literally see like the town crazy. I kid you not, there were two, two individuals, one a man, one a woman, separate, not together, but they were the town crazies. They used to walk in barefoot. Sometimes they were all scratched up because they got beat up or something or they fell or something. And my aunt used to just invite them in. Sometimes she used to shower them. She used to give them food. And I think from seeing that at six, seven years old, I think it got me to understand that we as humans, there's this dynamic that's always happening and it's always at play. And I think at a subconscious level, it opened me up to maybe not necessarily be like as positive as I am today, but at least be receptive to other people and not get so caught up on judgment or bringing other people down. I never saw myself as that. I was always the person that if a new kid walked into school, I was the first person to go talk to him to see how they were doing and just try to try to make a friend with them as for long as I can remember. And that's, it's one of the reasons we wanted to bring you on today because I'm, I'm very careful with anyone that even remotely has the title performance coach, life coach, whatever the hell you want to call it. Right. Mm-hmm. And these guys know in 300 episodes, I mean, I brought on like three or four and it, I want people who live it. It's not perfection. That's not what you want. Right. But I'm not in perfect health necessarily, but I can help people yeah. with the FDN philosophies. It's people who are actually living it and really do it. And it's like, damn, every time we've interacted, there's never been one um, case that that didn't happen. And so when you got into the personal development stuff, I think what's so cool is it was through the network marketing company, Vima, correct? Yes. Yep, yep. Okay. Sebastian and I were both doing this at the same time, but we didn't <laughs> meet each other until years later. And our friend groups overlapped because they mm-hmm. were all in it as well, which is amazing. Oh. And a lot of us are all still best friends and very close to this day. And you know, we're not about to pitch you some network marketing stuff. Don't worry. But one of the really <laughs> cool things about most network marketing companies, practically universally, is they are so big on personal development. Like mm-hmm. you'll get in and you'll get their product, sure, but the next thing they hand you is a book. And mm-hmm. it was our friend Ben Torres. We were just at his wedding together uh, with his beautiful wife, Lauren. She, or uh, they handed me these books, like one of my first meetings. And they said, if you want to hang out with us, this is what you got to do. And I'm like, I don't read books, man. I haven't read a book in 10 years. I'm like, well, you're going to read now. And that. you start reading this stuff and it's amazing the transformation that could happen. I don't think the people in my life believed it yet because mm. especially in the six month period, I went from, getting arrested, kicked out of school, going to a juvenile detention facility. And now I'm reading personal development books and around some of the best people I've ever met in my life. So people, when people say people can't change, I do believe that we have certain inclinations and wirings that they are biology. I don't Mm -hmm. think we can't shift certain things though. I think that's insane. I know I shifted. I experienced it myself and so did you. So when did you decide or make this shift that okay, the personal development thing is more than just something I'm going to utilize in my own career. Like I've done this with speaking. So it's always something I do on the side. I'm not necessarily teaching it to others or coaching it to others. I share it, but it's not my main thing. When did you decide that this is something I actually want to help introduce into other people's lives and guide them through? Oh man, that's that's such a big question because it, it, again, I think to better answer your question, to give the the audience and you an understanding of my background and the context where I came from, because there were people that for a very long time were telling me that I should be a life coach. And I didn't see it as a viable avenue for me to build a career, a profession out of it. Again, I had these limiting beliefs. That's like, literally, I kid you not, there was like a time where I was like, I'm five foot five. I want to be coaching people. Like that was a, a, it's, it's humorous, but it's a literal belief that at one point in time came into my life to this point that 
actually, let me, let me tell you how it came because it actually relates with this. So as I got involved in network marketing, it started to open me up to understand that there was a possibility beyond what I knew. What really got me involved and committed, not just like interested, but committed in developing myself was I started to look at the people around me and I started to look at the people that I love the most and started to question, do I look, do I want to live the lifestyle that they right now are living? And I love my parents, my family to death, but I didn't work in two, two to three jobs. Again, my mom from a very young age, waking up at four, getting home at eight, like that was a continuous pattern that I saw between my mom and my dad. So as I started to project forward and again, network marketing opened up the idea of, okay, you are the representation of people around you. If I fast forward 10 years and I stay where I'm at, do I want to live the same lifestyle my mom and my dad do? And again, I love them. Absolutely love them to death, but it's just not the lifestyle that I want to live. And that got me to explore, okay, what kind of lifestyle do I want to live? What are the things that I want to do? I started to take a look at the people around me. Who is living the lifestyle that I want? There weren't that many people, honestly. I was in Tom's River, New Jersey, which is not a small town, but also not a big town. It wasn't a huge community of entrepreneurs. No, it was just regular, you know, white collar, blue collar America, which is very common. But there wasn't entrepreneurial ways of being until, again, network marketing created this bubble around me. And that's when I started to explore, okay, how can I develop this further? And I started to read, started to develop, started to expand, started to look at the people in the world. That's when I said, okay, forget the people that are right in front of me. The people right in front of me don't have what I want. Let me take a step back and thank God for YouTube. I remember when YouTube, you could only watch videos that were up to 10 minutes long. Do you remember that? Uh, honestly, no. Oh my I watched, gosh. I watched it since I was a kid. I just, maybe I didn't even notice back then. Dude, I used to watch movies. That they, they, they used to have like part ones, part twos, part threes, because you couldn't have anything over 10 minutes. Okay. So, <laughs> I remember like finding people on, on YouTube and it started with Jim Rohn. It started with Zig Ziglar. It started with like all of these classical, uh, all of these classics, these, these individuals who were really in the forefront of supporting other people to grow. And when I started to, again, look at the people that were at a bigger scale and understand that they also probably more than likely didn't come from anywhere of the, the as Tony calls it, you know, the lucky sperm club. Like typically people that are self-made at high levels are typically in some sort of way self-made. Now, when I say self, I don't mean like it's up to me. Like, no, they just took the decisions that were different than what everybody else was telling them. And as I started to grow, I got into sales, did door to door, sold solar panels for four years. That's when I started to really realize that I had something different about who I am and what I wanted to do. Because in door-to-door, -door, I quickly got myself to the point where the company wanted me to sit in front of new door-to-door -door knockers coming on board, onboard them, train them, develop them. So here I am. At one point, I'm talking and I'm sitting across the, the, the table from Jim. This man could have easily been my father, 40, 45 years old. As a 23, 24-year-old man, what am I doing telling Jim how to live his life? But here I was. And that's when I started to really like, okay, maybe there's something to this personal development stuff. Now I see what Jim Rohn was talking about, what Zig Ziglar, if you want to get anything you want, you help everybody else get what they want, and then you'll have everything you want. It's like, okay, maybe that, that's what he was talking about. Not so much about me getting it for them, but me helping them get it for themselves. And that really planted the seed of, okay, coaching. Fast forward a few years, that's why I got certified, went through a whole coaching certification to do with Brandon Bouchard and the High Performance Institute, nice. did uh, uh, Robbins Madon's training as well, which is um, Chloe Madon's and Tony Robbins uh, coaching program. And this is now where for me, if I wouldn't, oh, and also really key, I went through a coaching container, supposed to be three and a half days, got extended to three years. 
that coaching container, that's really where the, 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 the genesis of me coaching came into the picture because at the time I was, I was door knocking, I was experiencing high levels of success or so I thought, because I say, or so I thought, because here I was living in a beautiful home in Asbury Park, New Jersey, which if you are listening and you know where that is, it's a beautiful town right on the shore in, in New Jersey. And I am waking up with anxiety. I'm feeling empty. I feel like something's missing. Yet my bank account has money in it. I have a beautiful girlfriend. I'm living in a cool home. Have a good, good group of friends. Things seem to be fine, but I'm empty. What is going on here? And that's when I started to realize that the world is going to give me things or is going to tell me that things are important that aren't necessarily important for a permanent lifestyle. Yeah. I was living a temporary experience, not for a permanent lifestyle. And went through a coaching container that really opened up my eyes a lot around that. And that's, that's when I was still in door to door, but that's when coaching was like, okay, my life transformed in these three and a half years. And it was really like a year in, I was like, okay, this is totally transforming my life. I could totally see myself doing this. And that's when I started to shift more out of sales and into coaching. Correct. I, I love so much of the stuff that you said, but one thing I want to really go in on is the age differences that you mentioned, because what I started to realize as well when I got into personal development is it's not an age thing. Age is a very advantageous mm -hmm. thing if you've actually been doing this. But guys, and, and this isn't some condescending thing or bad thing. It just is what it is. There are people that have, are 60 years old. They've never actually analyzed themselves. They've never sat down and said, what do I want out of life? What am I actually doing? You know, What are the habits? And most of us, what happens is we get so stuck in the cycle of debt, bill paying, job this, then escapism from the things that we hate. We're not thinking. It's so easy on the phones all day or the job, and then it's alcohol on the weekend. And before you know it, you're in this endless seven day cycle. And then mm. it's weird because Sebastian, it's not like we're old, right? I'm 28. Mm -hmm. You're 32 now, correct? Yep. Okay. So we're not old, but I don't know if you've uh, seen this yourself. I've seen it where I'm like, wow, this is going to go by really fast. Like I just started to understand that in the last probably five years. It was really, you know, once the college yeah. phase for people is over, I didn't even go to college, but once that phase is over and I'm loving what I'm doing, but I could see, wow, this goes really quickly, man. And so if you're going on very quick and you don't like what you do, I'm wondering how many people are out there. They wake up at 67 years old and it's never too late, man. If you're taking breaths, thank God, uh, you could still go make a change in your life. But I think we'd all agree it's better to find out about this stuff earlier rather than later. So it's not that, you know, it's a 23-year-old versus a 45-year-old or something like that. If the 23-year-old has been actively, intentionally engaging on working on themselves for five years and the 45-year-old's never done that, there is a lot to be shared. Uh, not necessarily taught. It's not so much that, but shared. That's how, how it was done with us. It's just, hey, here, read this book. Hey, listen to this audio. I'm just sharing some information. You start teaching yourself all that mm. you realize what's going on with you. Mm -hmm. uh, because I, I think it was Jim Rohn that said, right? Don't wish it was easier. Wish you were better. Yep. Well, what does better mean? Because I might oh. be great at one thing. Yet we're both charismatic. We might need to work on other things. Some people aren't uh, as good on a podcast or camera, and that might be their thing to work on. So it's just a general recommendation. You're the one that's going to figure out what do I need to work on and what does that look like? And I think when it comes to achieving prevention of burnout, that's going to be a very personal thing. We all get burnt out for different reasons. Success means different things to different people. So let's, um, if we can, I'd like to focus on the burnout thing just a little bit first. Why or how do you think these high-level professionals who sometimes have it all, they're making quarter million plus a year, man. They're crushing it. They got mm -hmm. all this stuff accolade-wise that you think you're supposed to want. The good family, they got the kids, bills are paid, house is nice, and yet here they are, they feel empty inside. What do you think happens that... Uh, leads to that burnout? It's a great question. Um, 
you know, and this is where for me, I started to explore. Once I started to realize that coaching was what I really was something that I really wanted to do. There's so many different avenues of to go into coaching. And what made a difference for me in my life was when I started to understand that it's not so much about what I do or what I have, it's who I am that makes the biggest difference. What causes uh, burnout for people is in my experience, from my perspective, in my opinion, I'm not an expert. I'm just, I'm really good at what I do, but I, I don't claim to be the best because again, for me, from my perspective, like that puts me in a box that puts me in a self-created box. It's like the ego saying, yeah, whoa, but no, again, I'm, I'm five foot five. I got to remind myself consistently, <laughs> <laughs> but what causes burnout is I think, I, I think people forget to take care of the basics and the essentials. You know, when I started to explore coaching, Brandon Bouchard and the high performance Institute kept coming up and it kept coming up for that specific reason. How come there are people in all walks of life, regardless of socioeconomic, regardless of gender, regardless of industries, how come regardless of where you put them, these people just seem to win mm -hmm. and they seem to win while at the same time enjoying life because I had for a long period of time, the idea that if I'm going to be rich and successful, I'm also going to be miserable. That was the paradigm that just through life, I started to, to take on again, our environment tells us a lot, especially the television tells a lot of visions that are not necessarily true. So with, with, when I started to realize that people can actually experience a high level of life while they make a really amazing lifestyle and it also make an impact. Okay. What are they doing differently? And this is where enter the high performance Institute. For me, the idea of habits is really important. The idea of being mindful as to how am I taking care of myself on my day to day? We know that we're all just a, a bunch of patterns. We as humans, we're all just a culmination of patterns. And the idea with this is, are those patterns yours? Are you choosing them or are you inheriting them from the people around you, from what the media tells you, from what just what you've seen? There may be some really well-meaning people who just have really not working tools. And they're going through life trying to cut down a tree with a blunt butter knife. And they're wondering, why is it so hard? Because you have the wrong tool. Now, some people will be too, pride, too, too prideful and say, this is the best knife I could find. I'm going to stick with this knife. God bless. Godspeed, go do it. There's people that say, okay, why is this not working? I've been going at this street for such a long time. This butter knife or this, this tool that I thought was working, which again is a butter knife, doesn't seem to be doing the job. There's got to be something different here. But then they don't look any further than that. This is the person that's walking around with the I know. You ever heard somebody where you speak with them and they know, but they don't take any new actions yeah, on? I've definitely done that myself, but it's something I'm very... I'm probably more conscious of it than others than I am in myself, unfortunately. But yeah, and you're like, well, if you knew. <laughs> yep, yep. This is dot, where dot, the individuals, <laughs> they get caught up. They get caught up because the moment that they know, now they put up a wall and now there is nothing else that can get through. And this is one of the key things that when I'm working with people, I always help them understand that if they know, okay, why are they not taking action? And then I invite them, take I know out of the picture. At least in the context of I already know what I should do, yet I'm not doing it. Like the moment you catch yourself saying, I know when you're talking about something that you know would support you in moving forward, but you're not doing it, consider that you don't know. And this isn't to make yourself wrong. This isn't to bring yourself any shame or guilt. No, this is just you more than likely heard that from the people around you. Maybe your family was always in the I know train. And because they always knew, then they always knew. But again, where are they? Where is the actual experience of life? So as we start to get present to our patterns, the first thing I always say is awareness. Awareness is key. You got to first be mindful that there's a pebble in the shoe. Otherwise, we'll be walking around wondering why my foot's hurting. Well, because you haven't actually looked at your foot. 
you're wondering why your foot's hurting, but you don't realize that you're actually walking around with a bunch of rocks in your shoes. Let's take those rocks out. If we're going to take the rocks, we got to first know that they're there. And again, this is where a lot of people, they get caught up because limiting beliefs, what would people say? What happens if I do? What happens if I fail? This is an a tricky one. What happens if I succeed? The amount of people that are afraid to take action because of the fear of success is actually a whole lot more than the fear of failure. It shows up as for, at first as fear of failure, but in all reality, they're afraid of what their family would say if they became super successful or what their friends would think of them if they were super successful. Because again, we live in a world where unfortunately there's too many crabs out there. And with that, I mean the crab that is consistently bringing people down. Did you know that there's a crab in real nature? There's a crab. If you put the crab in the cage, have you heard of this yet? I'm sure you have. No, I just was, I love the specification. This is a real crab, by the way. It's this not, is a real crab. I'm this still is, talking about the people. <laughs> this is not a metaphor. This is a real crab that relates with the metaphor of what I'm saying. There's a real crab in nature that if you catch this crab, the crab will try to walk out of the cage. If it's by itself, no problem. You put in two crabs into the cage, guess what? The one that tries to come out is going to be grabbed by the other one and yank it down to the point that if the crab continues to try to climb out of the cage, the other crabs will kill it. Again, this is a real crab, like National Geographic. Thank you, God. God's good. <laughs> he created it all for his good, whatever it is, who knows? But there are these crabs, maybe for me to be using the metaphor right now. Maybe that's why he created it. <laughs> <laughs> all for this. It's all been for this. All, all for this. All for this. But in, in life, we, we walk around again. We, we don't know who we are actually with. Are the individuals that we're with actually supporting us or are they bringing us down? And this is all a really long answer to your question of how, why do people burn out? Because they don't take, they don't take care of their environment enough. They allow the environment to tell them what to do. And your audience understands very much that this technology, we, we live in a world that is full of things that are not supporting our health. If we are not taking ownership for our environment from the people, the things we listen to, the things we read, what's going in here, if we're not taking responsibility of that, then again, the world will tell you what's going to happen. And we can take a look. I mean, there's a couple of different channels you can look at. And you can see that the world's not trying to tell you to go and thrive. The narrative is very different than go and expand. It's contract. Hmm. But when you contract, make sure you get this and get that and get that. But wait, there's more. So if we can really take that sense of ownership in our day-to-day, -day, we can take... If we can take ownership of our energy, of our state, you mentioned that before, our state is everything. Our bodies are the access to transformation. When I went for the first time into yoga teacher training, that was a huge takeaway. If I'm looking to change my state emotionally, change my state physically. If I'm caught up in an, in an argument with Lauren, okay, when I'm going through a yoga practice, bring that into my experience and see what shows up. The amount of times I've been upside down and I'm like, oh, that's why that happened. <laughs> I can see it now. <laughs> I kid you not. I kid you not. When I'm in the middle of a sales conversation, I'm, a, I'm able to bring myself to a place of equanimity and peace. Because again, my body allows me to do that. My breath is the access to relax. But most people are not aware of this. Your audience, I would imagine that if they're in this space, they absolutely understand this part of how important the, the, the body being the access to a state of peace and calm, which also opens up a space for focus. Like we can have a space of high alertness and high calm. We don't have to be running off of adrenaline or over caffeinated drinks that has us in a fight or flight mode. 
No, we can be calm. We can be focused. And our body allows for that. Habits on a consistent basis can create that pattern. We can literally rewire, unlearn. It's much harder to unlearn than to learn. The unlearning part is so much more challenging because, again, we're human and we want to do it our way. And we know. But when we unlearn, now we have a whole open space. And in that whole open space, we can now put some new seeds in there. And now we water the seeds consistently, patterns. And now the burnout that was once happening is no longer in the picture because you actually took apart the field that was full of weeds, aka limiting beliefs, patterns that weren't supporting you, people that were bringing you down. Insert your, your own. It almost seems like the, because this is an oversimplification of the wonderful explanation you just gave, but it sounds like you need to have that self-awareness. And then the self-awareness, when you're actually analyzing this stuff, that's when you can go in and kind of edit the habits, edit what's going on there. And that not only can prevent burnout, but of course, that's what would lead to success because success is really just the accumulation of a bunch of habits that are done consistently over time, right? That lead to certain outcomes. And there's varying levels of success. There's varying levels of opportunity. I mean, you're someone who's experienced that. You know what it's like to be in a place that might not have as much opportunity as South Florida, one of the probably the most, uh, the best places for abundance and opportunity and just big thinking, right? So it sounds like that's the case. One thing I want to even go to, because I think this is one of the hardest things for people. And I know that because I'm a people and I've experienced it myself, is mm -hmm. even coming to that self-awareness to begin with. So Sebastian, you know, I did, uh, and I still do, but I did for like a long time, exclusively public speaking. And the whole presentation really centered around this one aha moment thing that I referred to. And the aha moment for me was my final straw. And I don't know why it was my final straw, but it was my final straw. It was after the getting in trouble, after getting arrested, after getting kicked out of school, a friend, all this bad stuff had happened. And then it was like, bam, I got hit. And the self-awareness came back, the floodgates just opened, and all of a sudden I was able to, at least in my perception, I was able to see things clearly that I had not been able to see in years. And when I hear these amazing experiences that some people have to share, a lot of the times, admittedly, there is kind of this dramatic moment that leads to that level of self-awareness. I feel like that's God's grace that came into my life and blessed me with that. And so... Yes, you know, everyone can receive God's grace, no doubt. But at the same time, are there action steps that you give to people or that you know of that can almost open those floodgates? Maybe not in the same way that they were open for me, but just a bit at a time that lets some water in. Because I think one of the fundamental problems that most people experience, why do you get a 60-year-old that's super smart, very intelligent, very educated, but never actually works on themselves? I think a lot of it comes from this lack of self-awareness. They're running on autopilot. They're not even thinking. If they did mm. think, they would change, but it's almost like they're stuck there. So where do you think that comes from? And what can people do about that if you have any advice for that? Complacency. I think that people get caught up in, I think if, if we as humans were to remember to think and actually think, but not allow the external world to think for us, I think we would start to explore new things. I think we would, that we would step outside of the mundane and the familiar into the unknown and adventurous. I think a lot more people are really comfortable. And again, your audience understands this because in a way they're very entrepreneurial by nature if they're doing what they're doing. There needs to be a sense of stepping into the unknown for a whole new level of presence to show itself. You know, we hear too many stories of people that are still dying from heart attack. Too many people that are still smoking cigarettes dying of lung cancer. Like we know the impact of improper eating and smoking cigarettes. And look, nothing wrong with it. If you're going to smoke yourself a cigarette, like enjoy it at the very least. 
and have it be a choice. <laughs> like really enjoy the fact that at every single puff, you are adding tar to your lungs. Like it's the okay. most Sebastian line ever. Like if you're gonna do it, love it, right? <laughs> but but <laughs> every, yeah, it's 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 interesting because I think a lot of us we we have to wait until we hit rock bottom before we take a new action on. I invite clients and I invite people in general, myself all the time. Don't wait until rock bottom. Why am I waiting until rock bottom? And for me, waiting until rock bottom is coming into the picture because there's a lack of actual vision for oneself. There's this, again, the complacency. It's like things are okay. I'm okay where I'm at now, so I'm fine. But again, that fine or that okay is in all reality just a, a, a facade. It's a pretense. And this is where the real work comes into the picture to realize what have I been pretending? Have I been pretending that I'm in a really terrible relationship? I'll tell you this. I was, I, my girlfriend and now my wife, we had a time period for six months where we took some time apart. We went through some experiences that had us take space from each other to explore. Do we really want to do this again? Do we want to continue to rebuild a relationship throughout those six months, specifically in the first two to three months, I realized that I was never in a full relationship with her. I was pretending to be. And here's what I mean. I never actually asked Lauren out on a date. It was more so as the relationship went on, I was like, oh, I guess I'm dating you. Yeah, I guess I'm dating you. Oh, I guess you're living with me now. Like literally, literally, she, she, at one point in time, my, 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 my roommates were like, hey, so is Lauren paying for rent? And I'm like, what do you mean? They're like, well, she's living here. And I'm like, oh, shoot, she's living here. <laughs> <laughs> Hey, like, hey, that'll be 500 bucks. Yeah. I kid you not. And I'm like, wait, hold on. Her, the closet is full of her clothes. She does have a set of keys. Her toothbrush in the shower, in the bathroom. Like, oh my God, when did she move in? But that was just like, again, that was the little picture showing me the big picture of I never actually chose the relationship. I never actually was fully present that I was pretending to be. When I was able to take a look at the reality, which is I never actually chose. I was just in this river that ended up taking me down a relationship, down a boat called a relationship. It was confronting because then I started to look at my life. Where else am I pretending? Am I pretending to actually like this job? And again, this is where the door-to-door space came into the picture. I was pretending that I liked it because it gave me some sort of significance. It fulfilled my security. Yeah, sure, I was making an impact with solar panels, but did I really want that job? No, the answer was no, but I was pretending for, for me to like it. But I think a lot of us, again, as humans, because we're human, that's a, that's a challenging conversation. We'd rather stay in the familiar than step into the unknown. But the moment that we step into the unknown, that's when people can start to take on new actions. That's when some new habits can come into the picture. I think for that level of self-awareness to get into the space, someone has to be in action. You can't turn a parked car. Go try You can't, you gotta be in motion. The only way for you to make a shift in your life is to be in motion. This is why a lot of people they're afraid to take action because they'll fail. Well, great. If you fail, you just found out you just found out of another way not to do it. That's a win. So if people were to get more focused on the process instead of the outcome, then the journey becomes much more enjoyable. And this is one of the key conversations I have with clients over time is to not get so caught up on the outcome. Focus much more on the actions, because if you're taking forth the proper actions, these results will come. Now, as you're taking actions, make sure you're giving yourself the feedback. Are you looking specifically at what you're getting out of the actions you're taking, or are you just doing them mindlessly? Because again, 
I was in a position where I was in a really luxurious rat wheel. You know, it had all the gadgets. It had the light show, it had the speakers, it had the hydraulics, but I was still in a rat race. And I didn't realize that. Again, I was pretending. It took me some realizations of, okay, this is not necessarily what I wish to do, nor, nor where I want to be. But it took me those failures to actually realize what doesn't work. And when I realized what doesn't work, it got me out of complacency, got me into action. And again, that self-awareness comes up. Now, that is a question that I ask myself consistently. If I keep doing this day to day, what's the impact in the future for me? I'll share with you. I left a company about six months ago that had me in a really high paying salary. But I realized that the, the, the work I was doing was not in line with my values anymore. That was a confronting place for me to be in because that's the second time this happened for me. Come on, Sebastian, how did this happen? I thought I learned my first time. No, well, number two comes around. Here I am. Hopefully it won't happen again. But if I will, I'm human. Again, great. <laughs> if it happens again. But when I realize that here I am, I can either stay in this position, I can continue to collect the salary. But as I continue to collect the salary, the impact of that is my spirit is literally fading. It's like who I am as an individual is no longer as alive as he used to be. That was when it got me thinking, okay, I need to take some new actions on. Something's got to shift. Something's got to change. Was it uncomfortable fully that I necessarily think I wanted to do it? No, I didn't think I wanted to do it, but I knew I needed to do it. Hmm. And this is where for me, God comes into the picture full on because in situations like that, as I'm sitting in prayer and meditating and I'm asking God, what's the next move? And he's like, knock, knock, knock. You got to leave. No, I don't want to do that. Knock, knock, knock. You've been there for too long. No, 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 but it's so comfortable. Knock, knock, knock. Okay, do it again. It's like, oh man, okay. I got I to take some new actions on. I got to try something new. I got to get out of the, the, the comfort zone, get uncomfortable and try what is into the unknown, not get so familiar with what I know what to do. Yeah, there you go. To answer your question, <laughs> complacency. <laughs> For those on audio, they'd be like, what just happened? <laughs> we had this, this funny moment on video where each could see each other about to say something and we're both too polite. Uh, that's hilarious. It's, uh, first of all, it's beautiful to hear you bring this up in this time of, of even my life. And I hope that other people are resonating with this. And I'm sure most people are in some way or another, because you know, I left the nonprofit speaking last year and I probably had overstayed my welcome there because speaking for a nonprofit is beautiful, but... <laughs> The way that it works out is you for way less than you should be. And Maddie and I were going to get engaged. And I knew that. And I'm thinking, okay, well, I'm building a life here. It's almost like, especially as males, you feel like you have this obligation. And to a degree, you probably do have a duty to do this. But okay, I have to protect. I have to make sure everything's good here. So I got to, man, I got to stop doing this because I got to move on to the next thing. And largely, a lot of the stuff that I was doing was with FDN. And just to you guys know, I love FDN. But I started taking on things here outside of the podcast, which I'd always done, always will do as long as they let me. And I started taking on things outside of here that, you know, they were seven out of tens, eight out of tens. That's pretty damn good for most people. Most people are living mm -hmm. at like three, four out of 10 half the time. But the problem is now I'm an addict because I've experienced a 10 out of 10. Mm -hmm. I know what it's like to go do something and not care about the time and say, damn, I already did this Monday through Friday. How do I get to do this Saturday and Sunday? Like literally can't get enough of it. And it just lasts forever. And I had this experience recently. I was talking to Maddie as things were transitioning here a little bit. I'm like, I've had a, a hole in my soul for mm. the last 10 months, 11 months. I'm like, this is not going to go away. And 
as also a person of faith, right? It's not for those that are tuning in for the first time. This is not a show exclusively about that, but we've had people of all spiritual beliefs and backgrounds on, and I encourage them, uh, every single one of them, even if it's not the same ones as me to share that, if that's an important part of their life. And I'm like, God's been nudging me. He was nudging me out of the nonprofit. He wasn't nudging me to stop. He said, mm. wrong, wrong, eh, wrong. Like you don't stop doing it. You stop doing it there. And now you go into your own thing and get into the speaking with this. And so I've been looking into stuff for this and it's it's going to happen, right? I'm actually taking those actions. And it's amazing what occurs when you just take that first step. It's like, oh, this just pops in your life. Oh, that just pops in. And it all seems like a wonderful coincidence. But to me, I've experienced this enough in 10 years. I'm like, no, that's not coincidence. That's I'm on the right track and I'm being helped because of that. And I think that's something all of us can experience. So do you believe then, Sebastian, that people really need to tap in to a vision for their life and what really excites them. And I think what excites us in our dreams are sometimes buried under uh, limiting beliefs and the I knows, right? Like, oh yeah, no, man, I couldn't have gone. Maybe they were a kid and they're a guy and they had a dream of becoming NBA basketball star. And, you know, there's only like a hundred something people in the league at any time. I think that might be wrong. It might be 300 something. It's very limited. It's very small and it's very competitive. So mm -hmm. there is an objective age range where that's not going to work anymore. No, you're not going to mm -hmm. be 60 and start pursuing the NBA. Sebastian and I are realistic enough to acknowledge that, but it's almost like they, they realize that didn't happen. And then everything gets thrown away and it's just like the next best thing. Like, oh, what can I get that's good enough? What can I get that's the six out of 10 or the seven out of 10? So do you think it's essential that people really develop an, a vision that truly excites them? Because admittedly, I don't think I've had many visions other than maybe two things that excited me enough that actually pull me in that direction consistently, not for a weekend while I'm motivated, but for mm -hmm. weeks and months and even years. Like, How important is that in the coaching that you do? Fully, fully. I think I think in life, fully. But before we get into creating a vision, we first must make sure that there's a vision to there's space for a vision to put in, to be put in. Here's what I mean. It's like if 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 you have a cup of let's say strychnine, right? If you have a cup with 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 poison in it, and you continue to add water into it, will you ever drink that water? That's a question. Will, will you drink the water if if you have poison I, in I this don't, cup? I'm like, if it feels a little obvious, so I'm going to say no. I didn't, no, like, no, I no. Of course you you, you like, wouldn't. You wouldn't. You wouldn't. You wouldn't. Of course you wouldn't. Why would you? Is he tricking me on the podcast? <laughs> I'm, like, I'm going to go with no. No, no. Of course you wouldn't. First, you would empty out the cup, clean out the cup, make sure there's no more poison in it. Then you put some water in. Then you drink it. <laughs> what a lot of people are doing is there's too much stuff in here, and because there's so much stuff in here, they try to put a vision where there is no space to put anything into. So there's two things that clients that I work with and just in general with humans, I try to help them understand that there's two filters. It's like if I put on these glasses, everything that I'm looking at now is now red. It doesn't matter, but these filters now have me see you as red, even though you're not. That blue shirt became red. So there's two filters that, that we have that in my experience, if we get rid of open up space, number one, I know. If we can let go of I know, it opens up so much space for us to step into a whole new place of not knowing. What a beautiful place to be in. And number two, I'm right. That's another filter that if we hold on to, we will hold on to that I know I'm right filter that it will completely consume us. Because being right is very, con very connected to I know. That's where we're now identified with something. This is where, you're, where you have somebody that let's say is dealing and I literally have somebody in my life who is dealing with MS. And she is so identified with what she's going through that she is no longer her. She is MS with her. Mm -hmm. And she's right about it. And look, she is right. Like it's valid. 
However, being so identified to it puts, puts us again in a box. This is where, for example, an, another great example, Grant Cardone. Are you familiar with Grant Cardone? I'm sure you are. Absolutely. Yep. Yep. That was He's one of the a... first books I got handed, TEDx Rule. Ben's like, you're going to read this. I'm like, okay. Whatever. <laughs> sure, whatever you say. <laughs> Here we are. Here we are. <laughs> Just for disclaimer, he's 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 a sales coach. Not my type of sales coaching is is he's just not my style. But there's a show called Undercover Billionaire. If you've never seen it, highly recommend. In this show, they take these high-level entrepreneurs, all multi-billionaires, they take their name and their identity away and they throw them into a random town across America. And they say, You have 30 to 90 days to build a business. We're gonna evaluate the business afterwards and see who creates the most successful business. Okay, you have Grant Cardone. He's in that. Now, what was really telling for me about Grant was when you took the name Grant off of the individual, the human, he became nothing to the point where he said it like he was on the show disturbed, perturbed because he couldn't reach into his people in his network. He wasn't, again, Grant Cardone. It was a random person. I think his name was Lewis is, is, is the name they gave him. Just a random person. But it's a great example. If we get so caught up in identifying ourselves with things that we forget our true unlimited nature. So if we have a mind where we know and where we what we know is right, there's no place for a vision. There's no place to put in something new. We got to first clear out the mind, open up space. It's like if you have a closet full of clothes, you won't be able to put more clothes in there. You can do what you what you want, what you can. You can try to. But if you're opening up the door and there's clothes bursting out, you're not going to put any more clothes in there. Okay, so let's take out some of those clothes. I'm sure some of those clothes don't even fit you anymore. Let's create some space so we can put on some new clothes. And then that is fertile, fertile soil. You know, it says stand guard at the door of your mind. I think part of it has to do with that, to take a look at what is up here. The stories, the narratives, the ideas, the assumptions, the, 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 the expectations. Are all of these things even ours or did we take them out from somebody else? As we start to clear that up, it starts to open up space. And that's where we have now some open field, an open farm where we can start to plant that vision. Otherwise, again, the vision, and this ties in so perfectly, which I'm so glad you asked the question because I completely forgot about it. When I was in the door-to-door -door space, I had a vision of what successful people look like or a successful man look like, okay? I had literally had a vision board. And in that vision board, a successful man looked like a tall white person in a suit walking around and walking around with a briefcase. Okay. That was my idea of what a successful man looked like. <laughs> now consider this. I am Colombian chocolate, caramel, olive colored five foot five. And I hate walking around in full suits and tuxes yet. Here I am on my vision board, which I'm looking at and I'm meditating to. And I'm like, yes, I'm seeing it. I'm seeing this tall white man. Do you get how that creates this full cognitive dissonance? I can't ever be what's on the, on the screen that I'm looking at that I'm calling my vision. So how could I ever become that? And this creates a sense of our actions not necessarily align with our goals. Maybe you see someone that creates a high level of success only to find out that a month later they completely sabotaged it. This is where I was at one point in my relationship with Lauren. We'd have a great couple of days only for me to just go and throw them down the drain because the vision that I had of my relationship was that we have to have some sort of argument because that's what I grew up with. There was this idea that we needed to argue about something. Again, it wasn't put in by me. Who wants to argue with their spouse by choice? 
And if you do, God bless. No, most of us want to be. <laughs> Smoke that cigarette. <laughs> Smoke that cigarette. <laughs> I'm sorry. No, I know that was a deep moment. You're just funny. I, I love it. Most of us want to have a deeply nourishing, connected relationship. But again, for me in that moment, I realized like, oh, I'm hitting an upper limit. I'm hitting a space where I'm now sabotaging the night we've had because things are just too good. The vision, that's strychnine in my cup. I didn't realize it. It took mm -hmm. me some cleansing out to actually open up space and put some new stuff in there to have me now be in a new reality of life. I There's uh, multiple analogies in there, but I loved what you said about my what I thought was a trick question, uh, right? Your poison water over there, because I'm, I'm trying to connect this directly to what I've experienced. And I would say this is accurate. And I genuinely mean that. I'm not just saying that. I mean, you know me, I'll disagree. If I, if I don't agree on something, that's, that's for sure. Um, and I'm thinking about going back like 10 years ago. I'm like, well, no, I definitely thought I knew it all. I'm like, no, 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 no. At the time when everything went bad, that was called a forced humility because I couldn't accept it for the first couple of weeks. But then as you know, you can't get out of the house because you're on house arrest or you have, I mean, real consequences to what you're doing. Slowly, it does start to get accepted. You're like, no, this actually happened. Like I'm in trouble. Like my life is in a different category now, at least for the temporary. And this is because of my choices. And so it did bring on this very interesting perspective. I, I'm like, what the hell do I know? Like, I'm not going anywhere in life. And so there was this odd forced humility that hurt very badly. But I think that's what made me open to reading the books when they were you know, pushed upon me a year before that. I was like, get the hell out of here with these stupid books. I'm not reading that. And it's so interesting because that's when this, this intuition came at that time that guided me to speaking. I hated public speaking. And I know people don't believe this now, especially with the podcast. Like, <laughs> I hated it. Two weeks before I decided I'm going to set out a goal to speak to kids, I dropped out of my community college public speaking class. That I literally was like, I hate it. I'm so scared of this. I can't do this. And then it came out of nowhere. And that's how I knew it was real. Because I'm like, this is so crazy. It has to be real. Otherwise, I would have never have had that. And it's interesting that you worded it like this. It was almost as if the poison was starting to get drained. Maybe not through any, honestly, good doing of my own, but just it was forced. I had to start reflecting and looking. And so maybe that is the first steps for people. Um, and then just to be clear, so if you, you know, it's kind of like that saying, you can't teach an old dog new tricks. I don't believe that, but I, I will say, I thank God that this happened to me at 18 years old mm -hmm. and not 88 years old. Cause I can already see, I got to watch myself now because I can see like post 25, post 26, which seems to correlate pretty strongly when the brain's fully developed. Mm -hmm. I am a little, sometimes I am in that. I know thing and almost to my detriment, things have worked out well. Right. I did go from someone who had not a lot going on to a, quite a few things going on that I'm proud of. Right. So now pride's involved, too. And it's like, this is not good. I'm worse now than I was before. <laughs> and so you got to watch that stuff. So I can't even imagine another 60 years of this. How can you. How do you think you can empty? Uh, and we're going a few minutes over. I hope that's is that OK for you? I'm good. Till I'm good. Thank you. Uh, this is too good. We got to keep going a few minutes. How can people empty that poison if they've been living with this for 80 years? and might not even know it's there. And I know that's tough. I know it's not necessarily mm -hmm. a, you know one trick for everyone, but what, what would you say to that? Yeah. I mean, it's, again, like you said, it's, it's a big question because that's, that's full discovery, right? Like those, that's what I call an area that's a, that's in a blind spot. That's something you don't know that you don't know about. Mm -hmm. And let me ask you, like, do you know something you don't know that you don't know about? I'll ask you that Evan, detective Ev. Well, that's a lot of no's. That's a more of a trick question, but I'm going to say, assuming that what that was supposed to mean was, do I know something I don't know about? Then of course the answer is no. No, no, you don't know it. Exactly. It's not really that trick of a question. How could you know? How could it be something that you don't know that you don't know it if you know it? Right. But that's where transformation happens. 
that's where these blind spots occur. That's where these stories get so deeply rooted where we know, we know that we know that we know. So to start to explore that, start to really question and be in a place of inquiry and not question from a place of you having to know the answer because now you're forcing. Be more in a curious space, a space of, again, inquiry is you're stepping into a dark cave. You don't know where you're going, but you're, you're going to feel yourself out. You're going to start to feel around and see what's, what's where. Make sure you don't hit yourself on some rock. No, you're inquiring into a situation. And this in relationships is huge, especially as a man, especially as a coach, with a wife who's also a coach. Oh, man, this was a lesson for me to get over and over again. Stop trying to figure it out. No, just go into the conversation from a place of curiosity and inquiry. And in that, I start to understand for myself some blind spots in the picture. For those individuals, again, again, I'm, I'm a human. So like this is, I'm not, I'm not there. If somebody's telling you they got there, be mindful. I say run away. Because if somebody tells you that they have the keys and they know and they've made it, beware. Beware and be aware that that person is more than likely not aware. No, it's a continuous journey of, of, of discovery and exploring. Start to really bring curiosity into your life. Is what you're doing right now based on what you want and what you actually choose to do? This actually plugs into the high performance habits that I, that I walk people through through our coaching containers. The first one's clarity. And we explore on specifically, where am I going? What am I working towards? On top of where am I going and what am I working towards? Where am I at right now? You get into a car, you open up your GPS, you give it a destination without a beginning stage. Will the GPS tell you where you go, where to go? Nope. No, <laughs> no, you got to have both a beginning and an end. Otherwise, you're going to be left in limbo. Mm -hmm. So a lot of people are really good at knowing where they want to go, but they have no idea where they're at. And because they have no idea where they're at, there's no action steps. You can't start driving a GPS without the beginning and the end. You got to know both. When people start to get in the business, this is where, again, people need to be mindful. If they're starting a business, they must be able to track what they're doing. If they're afraid to track, consider that as a blind spot. Maybe they're afraid of seeing how much rejection is making them any worse than what they think they are. Again, limiting story, not truth. Somebody telling you no, it's not telling you no, just saying no. But as business owners, we must be really mindful of tracking everything. Bringing clarity, are we actually taking forth the necessary actions that are leading us to the next area of life? Are we developing the being, becoming the person that is going to actually be able to accomplish the goals? If you spoke with me 10 years ago, Evan, I used to stutter saying coconut. Like, I kid you not, I used to get in front of a room presenting Vima, and I used to get red. I used to not be able to speak, and I used to stutter hard. So who I am today is not who I was back then. If in some crazy parallel universe, what I'm doing now was presented to Sebastian 10 years ago, good luck. Yeah. Incomprehensible most of the time. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Now, I can't tell you what's going to happen in the next 10 years. That's unknown. That's a question like Job asking God why God is doing to Job what he's doing to Job at the moment. God's like, ask a smaller question. Too big of a question. Your brain can't comprehend it. So stop, stop trying to figure out what's going to happen in 10 years. No, focus on what actions you're going to take today and tomorrow with an idea as to where you're going. And then you trust that as you're driving down the road, you may not see 15 feet in front of you, but you're not getting out of the car to make sure there's more road 15 feet down the road when it's pitch dark. No, you just trust. You trust that that road is going to continue moving forward 
regardless of how much you see ahead or not. Correct. Sebastian, where can, well, a couple things that we do need to wrap it up here to a degree. Where can people find you? Let's say mm-hmm. that first, and then we'll get that shared on the screen. But also I'd love to know what they can expect with working with you because I didn't bring you on for no reason. Um, one yeah. of the reasons I wanted to bring you on today is actually going back to something that you said in the beginning. You talked about how are there these people that no matter where you place them, they win. This I say this all the time here because the FDN system is fantastic. Everyone that goes through this actually gets their own lab test so they know that it works because it works on them. And then you have some, they go out of the gates. And guys, this job is not just about making money. I'm not saying it for that reason, but we have many practitioners that are doing six figures in their business. They're crushing it. And then we have others, same system, same everything, same opportunity, same social media, but it's like a year in and how do I get a few clients? And so we created stuff for this. We have the business school now. We have a lot of help for this. That's great. But I'm like, why is it that I could take, I was just with her this weekend at a conference. I actually brought this line up. The person that enrolled me in FDN, she is doing fantastic. If I told people how her business was doing, they wouldn't even believe me. I could put her in real estate. I could put her on wall street. I could put her as an accountant. I could put her as a life coach. She's going to figure it out eventually and win. So I'm very curious about some, maybe like uh, just even client stories or testimonials to the degree that you're able to share, or just experiences sure. of maybe your work with someone helping them go from here to there, what that looked like. So people know what they could expect if they worked with someone like you and where can they find you first so we can share it. Sure. So best place website, SebastianYepes.com, Instagram, Sebastian underscore Yepes or Sebs underscore Yepes. That's another way to do it. Yep. Sebastian.com. I see that. And then Sebs underscore Yepes is my Instagram. Both of those are just my ways to communicate with you. I have a newsletter that goes out monthly, which is just value packed for me. My, my biggest thing is how can I bring value to the marketplace and have the marketplace tell me what it wants? This is where, as I got involved with sales, I realized that it wasn't so much about me being able to predict, to, to pitch something good enough. No, it was, can I bring enough value so that every single dollar that the marketplace is looking to spend is actually going to return them three, five, 10 return. That's my goal to work with clients that has them see returns. And this is what, what's happened. You see somebody like if you go on the website, there's there's a testimonial with this. Mike Sizniak, within the first quarter of his business, he had his biggest revenue uh, g- generating quarter. And it's because we work on specific habits. So let's talk about that really quick because I know we're uh, a little bit over. You're the habits, the habits. This is how some people are consistently growing. And there's six key ones that, again, through the High Performance Institute, they found is what was a predictable set of actions. We're talking about willful things. We're not talking about strengths. We're not talking about gifts. We're talking about actions that anybody of anywhere at any age in any industry can take. And it started with developing clarity, being clear about who you are, what you're looking to become, where you're going, where you're at right now. You take a look at generating energy, making sure that the vessel, which is your body, is properly taken care of. And not just on a physical standpoint, but on an emotional and on a mental standpoint. We're looking for energy, the capital E energy. We're looking for high level of vibrancy and stamina. That when somebody walks into the room, people are like, whoa, who is that person? What, what is it about them that is just so, there's something, I don't know who you are or what you do, but I'm going to go talk to you because there's something about you that is magnetic. Maybe you know somebody on the opposite spectrum. Maybe it's you. And if it is, hmm, be careful. You're the one that's draining energy. But God bless. <laughs> but God bless. Yes. <laughs> we got next, we got raising necessity, making a should into a must. You know, stop shooting on yourself. This is again, people are walking around full of diapers because they're shooting on themselves consistently. If you know you must take something on a new action, but yet you're not taking it, that action is not necessarily yet a must. We got to raise the necessity. We got to raise the urgency. We got to raise the purpose. So that something goes into something that they quote unquote should do 
into I will because I must. Productivity. How do we ensure that the actions that we're taking on right now are actually leading us to the, to the end goal we're looking towards? Too many people are confusing movement with progress. They got their pedal to the metal and they are going at it hard, but they don't realize their tires are in oil and they're not moving as, as quickly as they could. It's because maybe the actions that they're taking on are not actually aligned with the end goal. Maybe they're not tracking the feedback. So they don't know that, oh man, this actually isn't working. I'm putting in all this effort into these email blasts, into these newsletters, into these Instagram posts, but they're not really getting traction. Well, shift your approach. You're going to be doing the same exact thing over and over, expecting different results. God bless. <laughs> Develop influence. Develop yourself in such a way where people want to work with you. Duplicate yourself. Delegate what you can. It's much easier for two people to do the work of what one person can do. So duplicate. Find the right avenue to create a sense of connection with somebody where they want to work with you, not for you, with you. You create influence in such a way where, again, people are pulled by your mission and your vision and your values. That level of influence can literally move mountains. It's the only way that we as humans can expand when we are doing it as a tribe. You take a wolf and you take the wolf out of the pack. Guess what? The lone wolf dies always. So do it together as a tribe, connected. And the final habit, skillful action, demonstrating courage. Regardless of how much fear shows up, regardless of how many unknowns are in the way, you take action. You show up regardless of. There's no such thing as getting rid of fear. Fear is always going to be present. We're human. It's a human instinctual feeling. That's like you getting rid of a hand. It's, it's an emotion for a reason. It allows us to not put our finger in the, in the socket when we're a kid. Well, as we're adults, we're still afraid to put our finger in the socket. It just may not be the electrical socket. It may be a phone call. Take that action on, make the phone call, show up to the meeting. But again, it's, it, it's a habit. It's a, it's a muscle that gets developed over time. With the proper education on this and equipment on this and application of these habits, anybody under any circumstance in any, in any work industry age can move themselves forward hmm. because they're developing the necessary actions. Again, this isn't about being caught up with the result. We focus on the actions and the actions create a whole new level of being, which continues that cycle. And then the results come about. This has been awesome. If you guys are on our YouTube watching this afterwards, please drop a comment. If you'd like Sebastian to come on again and we could focus there's, we could do this 10 times. Yeah. Right. Um, so if you'd like Sebastian to come on again, let us know if you're on the audio and you're like, how do I reach out at FDN training on Instagram? That's at FDN, like functional diagnostic nutrition training on Instagram. And we'd be happy to get you guys moving there. Sebastian, we have a signature question on the show and it's usually what people, uh, what we would get people to do for their health. And mm. so, I want to switch it up a little bit, but I can't figure out exactly how to word it. So I will let you take this because I think you, I, I think you'll know what to do with this. You're pretty good on the spot with this kind of stuff. I will say if I could give you a magic wand and you could get every single practitioner or coach listening to this right now to doing for business or their life, you could take it either way. What's that one thing that Sebastian would get them to do? Oh man, it, it ties in with the question that you would actually ask uh, anyone else on, in the seat right now. And it's manage your state, manage your energy, manage your physical state, treat your state, your energy like it's the beginning and end of everything. 
if you're not taking care of your physical stamina and your physical energy, you're not going to be able to move forward because you're going to be burned out. And this is going to affect everything, your business, your life, your relationships, the way in which you manage your state is going to direct how the day goes. And you know that, but actually take the actions on, right? This is something as simple as you take 15 minutes in the beginning of the day to do some priming work. If you've never heard of anything like priming, you go on, go on YouTube and type in Tony Robbins priming. There's a 15 to 20 minute long meditation where you're literally like you're changing the biochemistry of your body, allowing yourself to create that level of energy internally. That regardless of what comes about, you're going to be at a peak. But if you do it once, twice, three times, you're like, oh, that doesn't work. It's a muscle. It's developed over time. If you're going to go to sleep one day and 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 sleep for eight hours, but then the next day sleep for four hours and then say, oh, that's sleeping for eight hours didn't work. Well, did you do it consistently? If you're going to go to the gym for a week expecting to lose 10 pounds, or in my case, gain 10 pounds, I can't gain weight for the life of me. i got such a fast metabolism. I got to go consistently. Whenever I fast, whenever I fast, I lose weight immediately. Lauren gets so upset. She's like, I love your muscles. You got to go back to the gym after you fast. <laughs> like, of course, but I got to go to the gym consistently. So to answer your question, what would I wave the magic wand and have people do? Take care of your energetic state. And that could go into the body, but also mentally, physically, and emotionally. Absolutely. My friend, thank you so much for coming on, just bringing the energy, having a great state yourself. And guys, this is literally him in person. It is this consistent. Is this real? What you see is what you get. Uh, thank you so much for coming on today, man. Thank you, brother. Appreciate you. Appreciate everybody listening.